you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Good morning, Compassion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. She thinks she's being funny. She thinks she's being funny. Oh, you know my daughter, Miss Avery. She's home from college today. Before I get into my sermon today, I want to bring her up. She's wanting to share something very quick. She's very nervous. And when I, as I walked up, I said, honey, don't be nervous. Just don't screw it up. And so I said to her, she's like, all right, here you go, baby doll. You just threw that on me. Hi. Um, so I'm in college, and yeah, for as long as I can remember, the Lord has, like, called me to go to the nations and be a missionary. But that's never been full time, so I'd never know what that looked like. But... Um, recently he's given me an amazing opportunity through Victory Missions, through the college that I go to, um, to go on a missions trip. And yeah, (laughs) it's really exciting. It is in June from the 3rd to the 13th and it's to Brazil. So we're going and we're going to help families and children in need and like partner with local churches in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, well, in and around there, and pretty much just do a bunch of work, anything that they need, really. So I'm here today because I wanted to share that with y'all because it's just, it's something amazing that the Lord's given to me, and I'm so excited for it. I can't wait for what he's going to do through Brazil because I know he's sending a revival through the world, and Brazil is one of those major places. Um, but I'm here today because I have to raise quite a bit of money. I have to raise around $3,000, and my first deadline is this Tuesday. So I'm here today kind of just to encourage y'all to support me on this trip and be a direct influence to the change that the Lord is bringing throughout the world, and that being Brazil, where I'm going. So, yeah. Did she do a good job? So if y'all would like to help her, please be a part of that. If you don't help her, you're, you're not helping your pastors, and you're going to help I'm just playing. I'm just playing. At the end of service, we'll have some people in the bag to take up an offer to help her to go. And, and um, I'm excited about what God is doing in my daughter's life. Amen. Avery did a great job. I was um, reading an article for March of 2020. This article that I was reading said they had one store that had advertised hand sanitizer for $60 a bottle. One convenience store was charging a dollar for every squirt of hand sanitizer that you use when you walked in the door. Some stores where a $25 thermometer had now been jacked up to almost $40. Now here's the kicker. What do y'all think really got jacked up during COVID? Exactly. You just got down to the bottom of it, didn't you? It took you a second, didn't it? Yeah. One store was charging 10 
dollars for a roll of toilet paper and the sign beside the toilet paper roll read this this ain't no joke now you're probably wondering pastor why am i talking about what was happening during covid it was called price gouging in fact it got so bad during covid that some of the attorney attorney state generals had to get involved to bring down the prices saying it was illegal to jack up prices in the middle of an emergency like this. Now, I'm throwing this story out here, and in a few moments, I'll tie it into my sermon. Remember this, the next few weeks, we'll be talking about the road to Easter, Holy Week, starting from Sunday, going to the next Sunday. Last week, we began to talk about the, the Lord's Supper. This week, I want to talk to you about something that the Lord has laid upon my heart what actually happened on the Monday before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Monday before the crucifixion of Jesus. If we begin to look at the story, what happens is we find out in the, in the Gospels, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that first Jesus leaves Bethany and as he's heading to the city, the Bible tells us that he comes to a fig tree. And the fig tree is not producing anything. And the Bible says Jesus actually curses the fig tree. But the next thing we find out that Jesus does is when he gets to the city, he goes to the temple. And when he gets to the temple, the Bible says that he walks up and he begins to turn over the tables of the money changers and the merchants. And in essence says, you've turned my house, which should be a house of prayer, into a a den of thieves. Maybe you've heard this story. Now, today I, I want to spend, I guess, more time really focusing on Jesus clearing the temple than I do the fig tree. I'll talk a brief moment about the fig tree in the middle of my sermon, but I want to spend most of my time today talking to you about the turn of the tables. Look with me in Luke chapter 21 beginning in verse 12. And this same passage is in all of the synoptic gospels. Now you ask me, what are the synoptic gospels? Those are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're the same. John is different. John actually does have a story of Jesus clearing the temple. But we actually know in the Bible that Jesus cleared the temple twice. First, he cleared it right after he had turned water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Now, this is a whole other story. And as we look in the synoptic gospels, we find this story. It says in Matthew 21 right here. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive, and I pray that every heart and every mind will be open to receive, God, what you've got in store, and let not one, not one leave this service the same way that it came, but be blessed by your word and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you the story. Jesus comes, he sees the, the money changers, and he sees the merchants. What they were is to go to the temple on Passover and to worship God first as they had what well, had a, a temple tax. Now, 
The temple tax was required to be paid by half shekel. Now, half shekel was a Jewish coin. Well, at this time, the Roman currency ruled, but they couldn't use Roman currency. So when they would get to the temple to worship God, they, they had to convert their Roman currency over into what they would call a Jewish coin or a half shekel. So they had money changers that were there. We also know that when you came, you had to provide a sacrifice. And that sacrifice would be a, a two doves or pigeons. And so many of those coming to sacrifice, to worship God, well, they were foreigners. They came from a long distance. And because they did, they couldn't bring animals with them. So what they would do is when they would get to the temple, they would purchase the animals there. Now, Many times when you read this passage, and this is where so often we as Christians read something and misunderstand it and don't get it. Many people thought that it was wrong that they were selling animals there, that it was wrong that they were uh, changing money there. It was not wrong. I've heard many Christians say that, that they should not have been selling animals there. They should not have been having money changers there, that God was saying, y'all can't be here. That is not biblically accurate. In fact, they had to have been there because if they were not there selling animals and changing money, the foreigners coming in from out of town could not have come and worshipped God. In fact, years ago, we had a lady in the church, and she came up one day and was mad at me, and, and she said, um, y'all are selling brownies for the kids to raise money for camp. And I said, yes, you can't do that in the church. Have you not read Matthew chapter 21? Now, I had to put on a pastor face because my non-pastor face wanted to go stupid. You have misquoted the scriptures. And I said, well, let me explain to you. And I told her what I just told y'all, that actually they were supposed to be there. Actually, they could sell the animals. Actually, they could change money. They were supposed to be there. That the only reason, and I'll share in a few minutes why they were mad, and I share with her, and she goes, that's not true. I said, it is true. In essence, she had taken something out of the Bible, been told scripturally wrong, and had made it a doctrine that you can sell. Even worse than that, years ago, I pastor in Oklahoma. I had a guy one day that we were actually going to have a, a special Christmas for the needy in the town. And we actually set up tables in the sanctuary to feed them. And we were going to give their kids Christmas presents. And, and one of the guys came and said, you can't do that. Remember, Jesus turned over the table in the sanctuary. And I said, well, I'd never say anything about the sanctuary, first of all. Second of all, I can think of no greater way to respect God than feed the poor. The difference was that guy later came and apologized and said, Pastor, you're right. That girl never did and she ended up leaving the church. I share those stories with you today because many times we will build doctrines off of something we don't understand because if you would just go a little bit deeper and actually study the word, you'd actually know the truth. So what was the problem? Why was that? Listen, it wasn't that they were selling animals. They had to. It wasn't they were changing money. They had to. The problem was they were price gouging. In other words, the foreigners coming in, they would jack up the price, you know, a, a pigeon. In other words, let me give you an idea. They're outside. Yeah, anybody ever been to a Texas Ranger ball game? I love going to ball games. And you, you, you see the guy out there just walking around with a thing around his neck, and he goes, peanuts, get your peanuts. You ever heard that? Well, outside the temple, it was more like instead of peanuts, it's like, pigeons, get your pigeons. The only thing is, you know, with the peanuts, they throw them at you. You can throw the pigeon. <laughs> Their prophet was just flying away. 
Now that's funny. The problem was is that, let's say, what should have caused a shekel, I'm just making things up, ended up being five shekels, six shekels. And in other words, those that were coming in to worship God were being hindered to worship God because they couldn't afford the prices or they went broke trying to buy it. And, and, and the money changers, yes, they could charge a fee, but the problem is they were charging a big fee. In essence, it'd be like me as a pastor saying, you know, the Bible says we pay 10% tithes, but you know, I'm pretty good. And I'm a good preacher. We're going to charge 50% here. And that's what they were doing. Because of that, there were those who were unable to worship. And, and what happened is Jesus walks in and knows what they're doing. He knows they're jacking up the prices. He knows that what they're doing is it's hindering the foreigners from coming in and worshiping God. In other words, he understood what was happening. And Jesus walks over, takes the tables, and flips them over. Listen, that was bold. See, you have this idea of Jesus being meek and sweet, and he was. But also, you didn't mess with Jesus. And he walks in and he flips over these tables and said, this is to be a house of prayer. And he's quoting out of Jeremiah. And he, this is to be a house of prayer and you have turned it into a den of thieves. Where's the temple at today? Anybody know? What? Us. We're the temple of God. In fact, if you go read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. In other words, God is saying, you better not mess with you, the temple. For the temple of God is holy, which is which temple you are. Now, I share this with you because, again, if we're going to take this story and make it life applicable today, what does it mean? Listen, it's not talking about the church, okay? And can I tell you right now, this is not the church. You are the church. This is a building. And if you leave this building, this would no longer be the church, if you walk outside and we meet out in the grass over here, that would be the church. And the church is made up of the temple, which is you. Now, if we are the temple, how do we make the story of what they were doing, selling and gouge pricing, how do we apply it to our life today and what was taking place? I've got three things I want to share with you today. Number one, write this down. Is your temple built on the right thing, but with the wrong motives? Is your temple built on the right thing with the wrong motives? Listen, it was not wrong that they were selling animals. It was not wrong that they were having a place to exchange currency. That was not wrong. What was wrong was their motives. It was no longer about the purpose of God, but about their profit. It became about what they got out of it. Now listen, don't get all self Yeah, pastor, they were wrong. You do the same thing. You'll come to the house of the Lord to see what you get out of it instead of coming here just to praise God. You'll come to church with the expectation that I need a healing, I need a blessing, I need this, I need that. Instead of coming to say, I'm coming to worship God and to glorify his name and to praise his name. Listen, listen, nothing wrong with coming to church, but what kind of motives you got when you come? Let's say the praise and worship team. We have the praise and worship up here. Nothing wrong with being on the praise and worship team, Amen. 
We need a praise and worship team. What's the wrong motives when it's about you? When you're singing on stage, you're like, look at me. Good Lord, I should be singing on the praise and worship team. Tell me I can't sing. Where's Abby? Get Abby in here. We'll do a tryout right now. But if you're up on this stage and, and you're singing and you don't have a pure heart, if you're out there in the lobby and you're greeting and, and instead of actually caring about people, maybe you're out there greeting, your name's Bob, and, and you know that Sally's been coming to church here and you want to find a way to meet Sally. Nothing wrong with being a greeter, but if you're being a greeter to meet Sally, that's just wrong. Go get on the dating app or something. I don't know. Stop using my greeter department. What is it? Switch right. What is it? Swipe right. We're just going to have a list of all people in the church. You just swipe right or swipe left. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with being a preacher. But if I'm up here preaching with the wrong motives, it's not right. And what Jesus was saying, he walked up and he says, I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. You need to sell the animals. You need to have, give, provide a resource of sacrifice. You, you need to pry, supply the resource of money exchange, but you're doing it with the wrong motives. Get out of here. Get out of here. I sound like now from Boston. Get out of here. He said it was wrong. Look at number two. Is your temple built for self-serving or Savior-serving? Is your temple built for self-serving or Savior-serving? He says, he, he quotes, Jesus quotes out of Jeremiah chapter 7, and he says, you have made this a den of thieves. See, there comes a moment that we realize as, as men and women of God that it's not about us, it's all about him. It's not what we get out of God. And let me stop for a second because I want you to hear me when I say this. God can bless you. God can give you joy. God can heal your body. There are many things that God can do. But listen, you don't serve God because of what you get out of him. You serve God because you want to get him. I had a man years ago when I used to pastor in Oklahoma that he would come down about every Sunday to get prayed for. He had cancer. And he'd come down every Sunday to get prayed for for God to heal him of cancer. And I could tell the discouragement in his eyes and how he's dealing. And one day I got back to service. I said, the Lord told me to tell you, the moment you'll stop seeking the healing and start seeking the healer, God will take care of you. It is more about the healing for you than it is about Christ. And listen, if God doesn't heal you and God doesn't deliver you, then you still follow him because he's God. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm of the belief that most people don't start out bad. I don't think most of them started out bad. I think you just after a while, oh man, I can, I can, I can charge just a, just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And after a while, it stopped being about worshiping God and it started being about their wallet. We have to learn in our life as men and women of God, it's not about you, it's about him. It's about you saying, God, how do you want to use me? What can I do for your kingdom and what can I do for your glory? Number three, is your temple built upon an existing relationship or an empty religion? Is your temple built upon an existing relationship 
or an empty religion. See, we many times talk about the money changers and the merchants selling. But do you understand also who Jesus was talking to? Remember the fig tree? I told you I'd bring that back in. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Just because it wasn't producing, just because maybe he was hung and wanted a fig? No, that wasn't it. See, everything Jesus does, he does for a reason. Different scholars have different views of why Jesus did it. Some have the belief that, well, Jesus did it to, in essence, to refer to the religious leaders of the time. Oh, you walk around all dressed nice and proud that you're a priest and you're a, a spiritual leader. Remember Jesus talked about it one time being, they're kind of like empty, they're like tombs. The tombs themselves look good, but they're dead on the inside. It's kind of like washing a cup on the outside, but not the inside. That's stupid. Well, that's how they were on the outside. They were clean. On the inside, they were dirty. And Jesus, in essence, is saying to his religious leaders, it wasn't just to the merchants or the money changers. Jesus was talking to the religious leaders. You're letting this happen. You're allowing this in the church, in the temple. You're allowing them to do that. Why? Because you're probably profiting off it yourselves. I never forget one time a guy said that to me. I had to deal with the issue in the church and he got mad and something had been done wrong. He said, well, I'll tell you, I'm taking my tithes and I'm out of here. I will never make a decision as a pastor based on whether I make or lose money. I won't do it. And if you're threatening me saying you'll get mad and take your money, then take your money. Because God will still bless me anyway. See, at that moment, what Jesus was saying, I'm not just talking to the money changers. I'm not just talking to the merchants. Hey, you spiritual leaders, you Pharisees, I'm talking to you. This was supposed to be a house of prayer, a place that we worship God. And some way, somehow, you have now turned it into where robbers and thieves come in and steal from the people and keep them from worshiping God. In other words, it's an empty religion. It's not a relationship with God. But see, there was another, scholars say there's one other thing that Jesus was saying. He wasn't just talking to the religious leaders of the time when he cursed the fig tree and turned over the tables. He was talking to us. Saying, as believers like this fig tree, which should produce figs, and it doesn't, he was pointing at you too. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you should produce fruit. The Bible says it this way, you'll be known by the fruits of your labor. Do you have fruit? Has anybody seen the movie, Jesus Revolution? Oh, my Lord. I cried that whole movie. Y'all cry? I cried that whole movie. That was such a good movie. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go see it. It's all about the Jesus movement. I'm not going to spoil it, but let me tell you how it ends. It's all about the Jesus movement that took place in the early 70s. But in the movie, a pastor by the name of Chuck Smith Pastor in a little tiny church in Southern California. Church isn't growing, it's declining. There's only a few people in the church. Watching TV one night, he 
see some hippies. And he's mad about it and what they're doing. He said, I just pray you send me one hippie. Can I tell you in life, be careful what you pray for? Because Jesus sent him a hippie. And between Chuck Smith, Chuck, I mean, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, and uh, Greg Laurie, it began what we call the Jesus Movement. And really the Jesus Movement was built around how Jesus was saving the lives and souls of a bunch of hippies in Southern California. But in the story, and I'm not giving away much, I just want to share this real quick. On one side was the church. On the other side became the hippies that were coming in. They were coming in. A church called Calvary. You've probably heard of it now called Calvary Chapel. It's a big church. But Finally, one day, the deacons get him in the back. Well, we're going to stop this. We're going to stop this. Have you noticed they're coming with no shoes on? They're messing up the carpet. You know, that's what we do sometimes. We worry about the things that don't matter. I can replace carpet. But it keeps on. They find him one day, and as that deacon walks up, there's Chuck Smith outside the church with a pan of water washing the feet of these hippies as they're coming into church. He said, that's what you, is the problem? Then we'll fix that. Those deacons would end up leaving the church. And a great church and a great movement would take place that would change the world. I say that to you today because I want you to hear me when I say this. Is it religion or is it relationship? What is it for you? Jesus loves you. God the Father loved you enough to send his son Jesus Christ to die upon a cross for you. That through the shedding of his blood, you would have forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, and even future. That he didn't send his son because of what you'd done right. He didn't send his son because of what you had to offer. He sent his son just because he loved you. And because Jesus Christ loved you, he's willing to send his son to die upon a cross for you. And that's what it's about. I want you to hear me. Do you have a relationship or do you practice religion? A relationship says that, God, I want to follow you and do what you want, and I'll go where you go at the top of the valley, or at the top of the mountains, I'll be right there with you. But down in the middle of the valley, I'm right there. When it's good, I praise you. When it's bad, I praise you. Because, God, it's not what you offer me. It's just about you. I'm going to share this with you. This is not in the movie. I'm the type that when I watch biographies, I have to go study. At the age of 43 years old, I think, Lonnie Frisbee, this evangelist hippie who had helped start this movement, would die of AIDS. He had left the movement. Him and his wife had divorced. Got back into an old way of life. Eventually would come back. Getting, in fact, was part of the vineyard movement. 
but then would fall away again. The very man who helped start the Jesus movement. But on his deathbed, at the end of his life, he would give his heart and life back to Jesus. Admitting his wrong, his failures, that the lifestyles that he had chosen were not of God. It was wrong and he would gotten pulled into it. He said, but I never blame God. And he said, if God doesn't heal me, it's fine. Because I just want God. A relationship with him. And that's what God wants for your life today. He just wants a relationship with you. He is not seeking your perfection. Guess what? You can't give it to him anyway. Not one of us is perfect. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God loves you and accepts you just the way you are. Isn't that wonderful? He loves you and accepts you just the way you are. Now, but let me say this to you real quick, and I want you to hear this. But God's grace will also lead to God bringing change in your life. See, for some of you, God needs to turn over your tables. Oh, God will just accept you. Yeah, he'll accept you the way you are, but he won't leave you that way. Well, I can just live the way I want to live and do what I want to do. No, God came in and turned over the table to say, no, I won't let that happen. I got, got to have my people live by my word. And see, God, if you allow him, will come in your life and take away bitterness and anger, addictions, sin, fear and worry and anxiety. God can bless you if you would just allow him. Amen. I want you to stand with me. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you would say to me and be honest, say, Pastor, if I can be honest, for me it's more of an empty relationship than it is, or empty religion than it is a relationship with God. I want to have a deep, profound relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not just built around religion or what I've been taught, but actually to know who God is. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Yes. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. And I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ today that, Lord, in Jesus' name, break off religion and religiosity. And I pray today, Lord, for relationship with Christ Jesus like they've never known before. That, Lord, they would fall in love with you. And, God, that love will rejuvenate their life. Not about religion, but about a relationship. Draw them close to you today, God, I pray. Second question, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, say, Pastor, if I were to die today, I don't know whether I'm going to heaven or hell, but today I want to give my heart and life to him. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that he's the son of the living God, died on a cross, rose on the third day, and confess him, Lord, of your life, and you shall be saved. If you're here today and you'd like to give your heart and life to Christ, would you please just raise your hand right where you are? No one's looking. It's just you, me, and the Lord. Amen. 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 I've had three raise their hand. Give God praise. I want all of you, not just the three, but I want all of you to say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. As three new names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you 
to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. Give God praise. We are so thankful that you chose to join us here at Compassion Church online today. We hope and pray that God spoke something specifically to your heart and life that you can take and go share with someone else. Don't forget, if you have any needs or prayers, make sure that you connect with us. We're a family and we do life together. So don't forget, comment below, message one of us, and we'd love to connect with you. You guys have a great week and we'll see you back next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.